So, the rise and fall of Mars Hill reactions really were going to come to an end, but we are doing all of the bonus episodes for our patrons. And we just did the episode covering CT reports on itself. And in this episode, we come head at how Christianity Today decided to report this episode. And our patrons voted and said we should put it on our main feed. So you can thank them if you enjoy this episode. This is Restless. Okay, welcome back. This is the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Restless Podcast continuing reaction. I'm joined by Pastor Michael. I'm your host, Matt. Pastor Michael, here we go. Here we go. We this con- is the this is the bonus rise and fall of the rise and fall of Mars Hill episode about the bonus episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. That's right. Because while they only made about they made 12 episodes of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and they made another I think it's 10. It's it's or it could it's at least nine. It could be eleven bonus episodes of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Uh it's hard once you have that mojo going to stop, isn't it, Pastor Michael? And by mojo, you mean ad revenue. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Christian ad revenue. They finally had finally had a work like like we struck gold. Watch. We did something right. We we've got money coming in. Better help is advertising with us. We're like, we're really doing it. And, 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 and this is, so today, Pastor Michael, I listened to the bonus episode, CT reports on itself. I actually listened to it today as well. I had already listened to it, but because I knew that you wanted to talk about it, I thought I'll listen to it again. So so I have it a little bit more fresh in my mind. Is will you tell the truth about yourself when it's embarrassing to do so? Now, Pastor Michael, there were some bad episodes of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. We made our opinions known when we when we thought they were bad. Dude, this this was pretty horrible, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Matt, um, they were being open I, and honest. How I could know, that be and, bad? And I'm sorry. I've already like I meant to like hold back that opinion for a while. Like, hey, I'm <laughs> it came right the out. Episode. <laughs> like, but I was like. I was I was truly shocked at how at at how bad I think this went. So again, the the question of this episode, the reason this episode is produced is they felt the need I was going to say they felt the need to profit from ad revenue based on <laughs> their own I don't think there were any ads on there this were, one. Were right? there? They, had the, they had the restraint to not advertise, which is good for them. Good on them. Yeah, good, good on, on them. That, sure. that would have been but, brutal. But right, the question they're answering in this episode is, hey, we are, are reporting on this scandal, this institutional failure in Mars Hill as we have our own. And it would be right. They're basically saying it would be wrong for us not to talk about whatever similarities there might be. And so I think the right, the questions that they're answering is, well, can Christianity today really report on Mars Hill, right? Should it have been put in this feed, right? They spend time talking about that. Um, And so this is kind of, this is kind of their question. And so um, I have some, some questions, but 
Pastor Michael, what uh, just with why why you listen to it today, which is great. Why did you, when they're thinking about why did they need to do this? Why was this uh, necessary? What what is the reason for it? But obviously, it comes across as hypocritical if they are condemning this institution for being abusive in some sense, while they, as an institution, were doing the exact same thing. Right. Or at least what they seem to infer is basically the same thing. Yes. Right. They're, it's apparently their self-admission. And I'd, we might talk a little bit about if we agree with that um, statement a little bit here. But now, uh, and I'll get into this later. It is notable. They give uh, pretty scant details on actually what happened at Christianity Today, um, which is a, which we'll note we'll note as uh, as time goes on. It's an, a, an interesting, an interesting difference. But of course, if you're listening to this and you're like me and you're a person who has like a uh, you think critical thoughts like one time I've had a critical thought once. You immediately ask, oh, I wonder if the scandal at CT was worse than the one at Mars Hill. And at one point, there is a, a, again, they are self-describing. There's a description of a sexual predator working at Christianity Today for a decade. And I will say, I I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think if that's true, the scandal at Christianity Today is marketably worse than what happened at Mars Hill. And now they brush over it pretty quick. They brush over it pretty quick. They don't talk about details. Um, they really, they, they mentioned briefly details. And now let's talk about how we're, he, we, we're doing better. Like we're, we're going to try to do better. <laughs> oh. We need better HR departments. We like, yep. you know, here's oh, all these man. things that we're learning. And don't while we're learning, on all we these can things. all yep. learn. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't get to try. I'll just say, I'll start here. You don't get to try again when you somehow empowered and protected a sexual predator. You don't get to, you do not get to tell us how HR departments should run friends. Uh, it is, it's mind numbing. Um, I, I am unsure if this really needed to be put on this podcast feed. Now, again, if they want, again, I think the reason it was is because they view it as potentially hypocritical and two, I do think they did want to report on themselves. And this is obviously the most popular thing they do, right? So if they want people to hear this, this is where they have to do it. <laughs> this is where everybody actually goes to when they visit Christianity <laughs> today. Exactly. <laughs> this, this is the one thing they do. And so I understand that. And so I'm not going to dive too much into that. Let, I have, I'm going to say this one right off the bat here of like, and that's not just me going to be being mad. But this is a really important point, and they don't make this connection, but this is so important. This completely defeats one of the theses of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Any connection to Driscoll's behavior and his theology, Christianity just disproved that. Yeah. With this and episode. they try to get out. They know it, too. Oh, they do know it. And they, they know try it. And so they try it. to like, well, we're most of us are complementarians. We, and we so it's obviously we're only different gonna to one clip. And we're going to listen to that in a minute. OK, you got because it is outrage. That clip is literally outrageous. It is. It is insane. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just I am on tilt. I love I love. Until you are. That's I am, <laughs> so I am funny. Until, I was driving in like dangerous weather, listening to this, just like, 
our like every moment was another screaming in the car at Christianity but, today. But 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 right, this is what's, what's hilarious going- about this, Matt. Is yeah. that you were driving in a car listening to Christianity today and you were yelling at it. <laughs> and that is very similar to an experience that Mark Driscoll had and yeah. told us about about uh, a rabbi who was on yeah, ChristianityToday.com. It's true. Wow. <laughs> it's come full circle. Both Mark Driscoll and I have public are now publicly discussing the time we drove in a car yelling at Christianity <laughs> Today. And this but is what we, it's all been about. I know we've said this before, but yes. come on. That is, rant that went crazy ever since. And Christianity Today has been like, how do we yeah, get this guy? How dude, do we this, go after him? This guy skewered us. He it would not me. shock me if all of the top executives at Mars Hill were plants from Christianity yeah. Today. That's right. <laughs> you can take that one to the bank. This was a but, joke, everybody. I want to make but, that very clear. That was a joke. This, but this point is so important. Every single every single thing they're saying about the problems of Mark Driscoll's theology leading to these abuses of women, abuses of leadership, Christianity Today has just completely disproved it all. Because, because sin doesn't care about your ideology. Yeah. Sin just... Sin just wants to destroy everything. Mm. And, and so, and again, right. Part of how they try and set themselves apart is the self-reporting we're doing. That's what makes us different. And, and that's, that's a reasonable question. That's a reasonable thing to consider since in our last reaction to Driscoll, he's doubling down and defending himself, right? There's a, there is a different, that is a different reaction. But the point is, Christianity today, they apparently, with all the the great mission they have that everyone still believes in and every, you know, like, and it's still valuable, they still had this exact, and, and, and it seems worse issue going on in their own place. And so this is the thing I don't want anyone to lose with this episode. Every criticism they give of Mark Driscoll's theology is gone. Doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't doesn't make his sin better, but it makes any criticism of that be because of reformed theology, complementarianism gone. It's done. Now, but one of our points, I believe, still stands very tall in our criticism of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, of Mars Hill, of Mark Triscoll, and now of Christianity today. Where was church discipline along the way? This is a Christian institution. This is, and they call it a ministry over and over again. I understand if you're HR department or you have certain company policies, where were the pastors? Where was everyone? Like, why weren't, why wasn't this turned over? Because even if your institution can't do certain things because of how policy is written, what about the pastors? Ecclesiology matters. Ecclesiology matters. Um, I I just think like, yeah, because again, the, the reason this really hits me is there's a really long section of the show with an HR expert or whatever. What a, you know, good for you, HR experts. You know, um, obviously you have a role in society. <laughs> um, but like, it's just like they're like, oh, what could we do? What could happen? It's like if only God 
had given us a way to deal with difficult situations with like conflict and hurt and pain and wise Christians had like organized steps of how to handle these things biblically. I don't know. I don't know. If only you're dreaming that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, again, the Jesus does tell us how to do discipline and reconciliation and remove people. And there are churches with very set healthy um, sets of discipline, which again, it's again, it's just that it doesn't even come into their mind, right? This doesn't even occur as a, as a thing because it's so out of the evangelical mold. Um, okay. So here's one thing they bring up that I want to ask you about. So they talk about this idea of the, um, we're all a family here. If you have someone if you have a workplace or a church, say, we're a family, you need to run because there's mm. something wrong there. And now uh, I'll also say in evangelicalism, it, it is very popular to talk about we need to eliminate distinctions of the family because that's the church now. Yeah. So I, I think this is an interesting idea. What do you think about this idea that they bring up because they're, you know, they're they're treating it like, oh, well, you know, if there's a HR problem or like a, a accusation of sexual harassment, you're like, oh, well, you know, we hand it in order personally because we're family, right? That's kind of how they're handling. I think there are bigger implications potentially with that statement they're making. Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Um, so it, it brought up some interesting questions in my mind. Um, so it's way more complicated than simply oh, like if a church does this, run away or this is the way we should do it. So number one, the church is the household of God and it's supposed to be run in essence like a household, um, which, you know, at least similar to a household in that, you know, uh, or, or because for that reason, um, the men who are supposed to lead are told that they need to uh, manage their own households well, because if they can't, then how can they manage the household of God? So managing one's household carries over into how one manages the household of God, the church. So there's there's obviously a connection, family and church. But there's also a very clear distinction too. They are not the same thing. Um, the, the authority that a father has over his child, for instance, for things like corporal discipline, like spanking your child, that that's something that the Bible clearly gives to a father and his child. It's not something that the Bible gives to a pastor or elder and congregant, <laughs> you know, like that's, that is way, way out of there, which is why I do think that they, one of the things that the insane, what they're saying, they're actually right in a certain, certain regard in that if, if a place is trying to say, hey, we're just family, you know, like, hey, we're just family in in such a low key um, way that, by the way, I think it demeans what a family is. Right. Why, why does the Bible use the word household of God? I mean, thinking about what what exactly a household is and what it means to be the head of a household. And there's so much more to it. It's so much deeper than just, hey, we're family, which means that we, we like hang out together and we like each other. And we like spend time together and there's no big authorities here. That's what a lot of people mean when it's like, hey, we're family. 
What they right. mean is we're all on the same level. We're all here together. Whereas when the scripture uses it, it means, hey, there's people in authority. There are rules of discipline. There is a particular way that we handle ourselves. There are certain duties and obligations that we each have toward each other and toward those who are our superiors and inferiors. And there's so there's so much to it. Um, but in our day, I do think it's because we've cheapened family in general. Uh, we then also cheapen the very idea of being family in the church. And like you said, a lot of people want to destroy the distinctions between the church and the family because a lot of them don't have families. By right. the way, um, a lot of the people that I've seen, a lot of churches that I've seen do this where it's like, hey, we're going to be the family. Um, the pastors that do that. And by the way, I've used language like this. I've talked about stuff like this with our church. I'm not, I'm not so against it per se, if it's properly understood biblically. But a lot of the people that I've seen try to do this in a really cheesy, lame way that means, hey, let's limit any authority and we're all just hanging out. Um, a lot of the times, these are people that either don't have a family or they don't have a good family, like their family's kind of a mess. And so they're like, oh, well, I'll substitute, right? Oh, the church will be my family. Then I don't have to deal with the mess of my family as it is. But actually the household of God, as it's constituted in scripture, is a is a household that's made up of households, right? right. It's, it's built uh, including a bunch of other households. And so our understanding of one does affect the other, but they're also very distinct and different. Right. I, and I think that this is, yeah, I think this is, yeah, this is really important um, because, right, there is, and it, and again, there are times where it's out of a good desire, right? Where, but, but you'll hear things like, you know, in the church, right? Where we are, we are the true, we're the truest family, right? And so you shouldn't have regard for your own family above the church, right? You should be having, you should want people from the church in your home as much as you want your own family, and I think that's an error. Because the gospel doesn't eliminate natural family. Yep. Now, and and here's the truth, right? If a person doesn't have a family or they have a bad family, I of course we should, as Christians, because we do know we understand our connection to them, we should have them with us. They should be brought in. We should we should share, right? This is Paul's admonition that they show a special kind of care to the widows, right? He knows they lack the natural household, the natural family. So we should go above and beyond because we're the church, right? Why would you do that, right? There's no reason you would do that except that you're the church, except that you you acknowledge you're the household of God. Yeah. But if you're that person and, and even being received in that way, um, you know this doesn't replace your real thing, like your, your natural family. Yep. And that doesn't mean you don't want it, don't need it, and don't appreciate it. But it's different, right? Like these are... It's different. What grace has created is different than what creation created in a family. Yep. And they don't replace each other. They're not the same. They can't be the same. And so now I do think, especially when they're talking about the corporate world using the terms of family, yeah, at that point, it's almost like, it is it, freaky weird. It's yeah. like, yep, that's because, yeah, I agree. <laughs> because they are creating a cult because they're doing what yes. the church is doing, except they're doing it for like, we are an online HR company and we're like <laughs> family. Okay. That's the worst family possible. And like, <laughs> you know, so 
I, I just think that, yeah, I think that it was an, it's an important distinction. Um, now, again, the other thing um, that they actually talk about is they talk about, right, the, the inherent difficulty of women coming forward to report um, this kind of abuse, which I don't deny. However, here's here's where I find the issue. And I don't I don't find the issue with the need and the difficulty of how that works. That's not my problem. What I've I've realized is once again, this this idea of how we're going to try and solve this problem is kind of laughable. Mm. Right? They're like, well, here at Christianity Today, we are going to bring in more women's voices. Right. And I understand that at times, Mike, I've realized that certainly with the ways we were like, well, Driscoll maybe had maybe had a point in some of these things. Right. And the things that we're saying that they were saying, these were the right. The like masculine Christianity that was invented in 1980 (laughs) because of the Cold War. Right. Like that. We're like, that's that's wrong. But but what I want to say is. Quite obviously. Don't get mad. You don't no one gets to get mad at me for saying you don't want to protect women or you don't value them. Here's like I don't get I you don't get to give me that objection, at least if you're from Christianity today, because whatever you did didn't protect women. Yep. Right. So don't call me and say, like, well, this view of women and theology doesn't really value them. Yeah. Well, so. Right. Like. So neither did yours. Yeah. So neither did you. Right. You failed in in the same way and debatably worse. Mm. And so I just think that, again, it's this. And of course, right. It's this. And it's the one it's a once again, right. It's the assumption that, wow, somehow magically in 2022, the thing the culture is saying will actually protect women and prevent these kinds of abuses. Suddenly we finally got it right. And it just so happens to line up with, common sense wisdom in the bible here in 2022 Mm. right and that's insane right like how can like it it begs belief to think that hey if we keep doing the things we're doing we're going to finally get we're going to finally prevent these things from happening right it's gonna work it is i i think that there can be a truth especially in a corporate setting right that like uh uh, well, one of the things they said was like, if you have to report to the person who's been harassing you, obviously yeah. that can't work, right? Like that's yes. that's uh, a mess. The idea that like a woman might feel more comfortable reporting uh, this kind of thing to uh, to another woman, I think could be true. Um, I not I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think it could be true. Um, however, they started by saying like women for very here are the various reasons why like it's hard for women to report these things none of the reasons that i remember were specifically well there's not enough women representing represented on the like board level right the the reasons had to do with more like personal reasons or like uh maybe you like you as a woman you're rationalizing what just happened like maybe it's not as bad as i think it is maybe like maybe i'm i'm thinking there's something uh, wrong that isn't wrong. And then, so you question yourself, which is something that women deal with a yeah. lot, right? Doubting themselves and doubting something that, that happened to them. 
Um, so I can like I I'm not I'm not saying that even any of the things that they said happened to women that make it hard for them to report are like they were wrong about those or that I'm not like my heart doesn't go out to women in those situations who are, uh, you know, harassed in some way. And then they feel like they're trapped and they don't know what to do. Right. But I do want to just then like to jump to, well, we're just going to have more women like on the board or whatever. Not only does that like, like that doesn't solve the problem at all because you've already said that like, it's hard for women to do this anyway. Right. Like you've, you've already pigeonholed women into like, well, this is hard for them. And so to just have more women doesn't like, that doesn't seem to solve anything in your system. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I do think that, um, elders, again, this is why you, we, why the ecclesiology matters, like pastors who know their congregants and know the women in their church and, and have wives and wise women in the church who know the women in their church, right? These things are so intensely personal. Like, right, obviously you can't, um, they're not going to report these kinds of issues to a person they believe is going to actually turn this around on them. And that is unfortunately a place women have repeatedly found themselves in. But so, right at the end of the day, this is like an intense issue of trust. Like you need to be doing things that actually build real trust um, for this moment. And it is, it's intensely personal. Um, And again, it's just, you know, like, right. When they're talking about, well, the, you know, the people who reviewed us found diversity was an issue and that's how we're going to fix this. Guess what? I'll bet you do that. And you know what? Sin doesn't care about your ideology. And this happens again. Because right. Well, and also then like, going. doesn't that infer that like, well, the, like these guys who were doing this somehow the lack of diversity was bringing, like that was causing them to do this or something like that. Right. Like right. somehow the lack of diversity is what, what kept this from happening. And I know that the focus was on like, that's what kept it from being reported or being like, right. you know, anybody taking action on it. Uh, but that, you know, that doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. Right. Like it doesn't, that doesn't make sense to the whole narrative that they've painted with the Mars Hill story. And now, you know, with their own. Right. And so I think the final thing to really notice about this and, and I'm about to, I'm about to be mad again, by the way, Um, (laughs) about to be on tilt is please notice. And this is, this is, again, I don't know if this is insightful at all. Please notice the different, how they decided to produce this episode compared to how they decided yes. to produce. Oh, I didn't even notice the, that man. Of the rise and fall of Mars <laughs> Hill. Oh my goodness. So like, imagine if I decided I was going to create a 10 week podcast episode where I interviewed every single victim who was uh, perpetrated against who was at, at Christianity to today. And then I told stories about how the current leadership overlapped with the previous leadership and they were never fired they were never held accountable and i brought on lots of experts to discuss how horrible how this how could this happen in an institution like this i told and lots add of, add very dreary dark music that's right all. i put over music over it. 
I talked about speaking of which we should do this. We should take this episode and we should cut in just nothing else, but cut in at least bad, you know, music that makes it sound like these are the bad guys. And I talked about how they allowed op-eds to defend themselves by people like hitman hiring James McDonald, Mark Driscoll, Ravi Zacharias. And I did that for 10 weeks. Think of, just it's so it's like instead of i'm gonna have a conversation with two people about this and one of them is gonna say no matter what this the mission of this organization is still we've learned it's still so worth it oh my goodness yeah i didn't even i didn't even think of that but you've also made me mad (laughs) (laughs) but but here is but here's what yeah oh man there's so many problems with this right obviously But what we've done is this is the thing. And this is what they actually hated Driscoll did on his tour. This is the the mega church pastor says, just like you, I'm not perfect. I cheated on my wife and I'm here to confess it in the name of Jesus so that we can move on and experience his grace. And the whole crowd goes wild. This is Christianity Today saying we had a perpetrator working for us for a decade and wanting you to clap for them. Yeah. Wow. They want you to clap. Oh, like, brutal. They are they are trivializing what they did while trying to put so much so much weight upon what was done at Mars Hill. But like you said, is arguably arguably not as bad. And and here's where there's a few payouts of this. So, by the way, I realized this before I heard the clip about about how they at one point they literally said, we thought we were on the side of the angels. They that that comes out of the mouth of someone handling <laughs> <They> literally did <laughs> this, which we will listen to after complementarians are compared to slaveholders. Uh, we will get there. Yes, they this, were. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That, it just it's this is I realized this before this. So that's why I was on full tilt by the end of this thing. <laughs> oh, my but here's goodness. the problem of how here's one of the cash outs they get to do with how they handle this. So when they say. And this is one of the problems of when we couch all of this language in systemic, institutional um, evil. Because what it does is, so what they're saying is there was systemic institutional evil at Mars Hill. There, there was systemic institutional evil at Christianity Today. Mark Driscoll is literally Hitler. <laughs> We're actually victims. We, it's kind of like, it's, it's too bad it happened to us. And what they've gotten to do is they've got to be, they get to be the beautifully broken people, right? Mm. We're the, we're the beautifully broken good guys. Mark Driscoll's obviously the devil. Well, why? Well, you know, he was bad. And so what, and what you get to do is the problem with this kind of idea of this institute, like, again, I'm not saying that there aren't things in institutions that are broken, but when you remove them from the responsibility of people, you then kind of get to just pin responsibility on whoever you want. And you Mm. get to say that your reaction or whatever makes you the good guy or the bad guy. Right. Um, The, the podcast uh, sound of sanity, they, they make this description. They say, this is actually what's so bad about a movie. I really liked of the guardians of the galaxy, right. That they're basically in a moral group of people that just because the movie plays the right music and tells you to like them and tells them they're cool they get to be the good guys when they're fighting people who do the exact same things. 
And so mm. the good and bad is completely arbitrary. Yeah. And they're and and so right, they're the beautifully broken ones, right? And of course, we see this in like, you know, our culture all over the place, right? Like, why is the Democrat Party like the progressive party that's pro-woman, pro, pro-minority when they are the party of Jim Crow? They are the party of the KKK. Like, why does that like why are they a victim of these bad things? And aren't why aren't they like they're the root of what's wrong because of how we've chosen to put that narrative. And what Christianity Today has done is they have done that. Well, there's all this systemic problems in evangelicalism, this thing we don't know how to define, which everyone says. And, you know, we it was even at Christianity Today. Wow. Brutal. (laughs) Absolutely brutal. So I so we've made a we've talked about this clip. Let's play this clip. And then I have I, I do have one lesson that I actually think is important and isn't just me being mad. So I did learn something from this that wasn't me, me just me just getting more, more angry. So here's the clip. Here is um, Christian today um, basically attempting to um, salvage their thesis that theology, that there was a theological problem at Mars Hill. Um, and so this is the apparently the the chief editor at Christianity Today speaking. Of a diminished view of women. And in some ways I see this similarly to matters of race, right? The institution of slavery developed. Christians who benefited from slavery developed a theology of racial inferiority that permitted them to enslave other human beings with impunity. Now, even after the institution of slavery was abolished, that theology of racial inferiority remained as kind of a a superstructure that I think served to justify slavery by other forms, whether that's Jim Crow or uh, abuses in the um, criminal justice system and so forth. Uh, So the Theology sometimes outlives the institution. Now, to bring that over into the space with uh, with men and women, I think culturally, physically, economically, for a long time, men have been the ones in power. Men have had an interest in preserving that power, benefited from it, and developed a theology of sexual superiority of gender superiority. And even as other parts of the culture began to grow, I think, beyond that, I think that that theology endured. And it's not written into Scripture. It's not the only way to interpret the Bible. And yet, um, there are a lot of places today within the evangelical church where I feel like kind of uh, that theology of the subordination of women um, remains. And, and so, whether you're in an egalitarian context or a, um, or a complementarian one, you think of just all the ways in which women are encouraged to accept kind of inferior positions in relation to men. So, Pastor Michael, by the way, you, again, you don't believe that Paul really said, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority of the men. You just hate women in the same way the slave trade hated black people. 
And yeah. even though the institution's gone, oh. you're holding on. You have the same theology that undergirded yeah. that, let right? Me, it's the let same Let me bring theolo- it right over. Yeah. It's un... I mean, that is... Right, but that like, is that shows you, by the way, how much this guy, I can't remember his name even. Timothy Dalrymple. Timothy D- Dalrymple. Man, I'm just saying me. that name, Dalrymple. Like, if you just told me that, if you just gave me that name, and you didn't tell me anything else about the guy, I would be like, probably a feminist, probably believes that the patriarchy has influenced everything about modern life, just like slavery did. Right. Um, but that is, like, that is the view of the world, right? Like, right now, currently, um, the, the, the whole... Um, understanding of history is that just like there were these racist ideologies that carry on, even though slavery doesn't exist anymore. So too, in the same way, these, uh, you know, patriarchal, wicked, you know, uh, you know, woman hating ideologies hang on even if the patriarch isn't quite even if we have some women doing things and you know getting into places of power um it's just uh it's the same it's the same thing that's how they see the whole world even though basically every institution of power including christianity today by the way is self-consciously feminist and also there are (laughs) sexual predators there and they still did right they still did right they still did the same thing yeah I, i i just think it is it's just a Again, again, it's obviously crazy for them to come out with a podcast to lecture on HR policy when they've done this. It is just I, I, I think you're so right, though. I Again, I'm, I'm not going to go back to just the like insanity of like you coming to tell me this like. um, It is but that just it, a, go ahead, go ahead. No, all. <laughs> it's just, it is such a. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it is a factor of I am sure this guy probably has degrees and i and i don't blame them i understand i have the same problem we're so illiterate like the only bad villains we can think of in history are nazis so every bad villain has to be some version of like a hitler figure um which again they do with driscoll in the rise and fall of mars hill and like every like ideology or like complicated issue or issue of oppression has to be just like the slave trade yep when so obviously there have been a rainbow and cacophony of different kinds of bad guys and different kinds of like, like even the a idea rainbow of bad guys. Are, I see what yeah, you did there. The rainbow, like a full, oh, there's a full spec. There's such a wider <laughs> spectrum of how this all works. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, you, you know, they, like just like gender, the, the kinds of bad guys are on a spectrum, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's, there are 72 <laughs> genders. There have to be at least 72 oh. kinds of bad guys. We're on oh, tilt. It's late at night and we're just, we're just, we're just, we're going for it. And so, no, I, so yeah, but here's the thing failure. I was going to say is that uh, this is a common malady of our day, a like malady of soul, a malady of mind. And it, it's, this is this happens everywhere. The people who are the most messed up in whatever way you want to say, right, or sinful or broken or, you know, I don't mean ma- I'm not trying to use messed up in a derogatory way, but I mean, like, you know, for in this situation, you have clearly been messed up in how your organization has been run because these things happen there 
and not not just that they happen right because sin does happen places and it's horrible it it's never good but uh no matter what you do in an organization there's still going to be sin that comes out right uh, but then how it was handled, right? That it was covered up and like it wasn't dealt with until it had to be dealt with basically. Um, like that is a mess, right? Like that's sinful, right. it's wicked, it's wrong and it could have been done differently. So that's what I mean by a mess. So that's a mess. But those who are the most a mess want to be the ones that say, well, this is how it works now. This is, we can tell you how this works. So for instance, People with various various kinds of you know mental health issues, whether it be depression and anxiety or or whatever it is, are the ones who are always saying, "Well, here's how you have to deal with me. Here's what I need. Right. How do you know what you need?" Or you know, you know, right now there's this this huge move within the evangelical church to, "Hey, we need to listen to the ex-evangelicals." Christianity Today does this, yeah. or whoever else it is in the culture, because they know what we need to do in order to serve them. Yes. How, how, how would they know if they are outside of Christ, right? When we have the, the light of biblical revelation to guide us and the Holy spirit that dwells within us, why would those people be the ones that we should be allowing to guide the process? What's crazy about it is it, you know, in the court of law, if you, have a situation, let's say that there's been, uh, you know, there's a, a situation where there's, you know, somebody who's been abusive or, or something like that, um, in a relationship. And, uh, maybe they ended up killing somebody that they were in a relationship with and they had been abusive before that. And it kind of led up to the point where they, they have at least been accused at this point of killing their significant other. And you're picking a jury pool to, decide whether or not this has happened. The people that have been chosen to potentially be on the jury that you then work through, the ones who have suffered abuse, domestic abuse of some kind, they're out, right? Like they're not going to be on the jury. Why? Why? Like, why do we do that? Because they are not going to be able to remove themselves from the situation and actually understand what's going on. And But in every other way, we say it's the opposite. Yeah. And that's not saying something negative about them. No, it's not negative about them at all. It's just saying that like, because of what has happened, just like the, in so many other circumstances, like if, if you are in this position, you may not be able to properly judge in the way that others might be able to. Right. It's, and I, and again, and on like on a per like you, and you understand why you you listening can understand why a person who's experienced these things wants to be put there because you do. So like, if I think about, right, I have a two-year-old, it's difficult to parent him. So I actually shouldn't be the person you ask, well, how do you, what do you, how do you take a kid from two to five? Like, what do you do for obedience and, and discipleship and discipline? And like, I'm actually not the person you should ask. Now I could tell you about the things I do, but you would probably have no reason to, to believe me. However, I want to be the kind, because I want, like, I know, I, I know it's difficult and I want to have the right answers, even if I don't, right? Like, you know how uncomfortable it is to know, wow, I actually am weak here. You know how uncomfortable that is yep. and how, and that's a small example, right? But just with these incredibly difficult things, 
right? Like power that up to 11. That's why that, that's why this is difficult, but yes, you are getting at what I think. Um, and, and you can tell me what you think about this before I leave, before we leave. I think that you're getting at what I think the actual lesson, all of us listening should learn. Obviously I think this thing pretty hardcore discredits so much about everything they've attempted and has, has made me mad, but but I, I thought to myself, I think there actually is an important lesson for all of us here. And I don't actually think it's right. Christianity Today says th- their question they want to sum it up with is, do we have the moral authority to keep telling these stories or not? And they say, we want to hold people uh, accountable to the ideals we have. And and that's the wrong lesson. If you if they learn that lesson, dude, the next podcast they do like this going to be worse, going to be much, <laughs> much worse. The real lesson is, is what you just said, dude, the lesson is Christianity today. You're lost. Evangelicalism is lost and it needs to be saved by Jesus Christ. Yeah. It needs to be forgiven and renewed. And this isn't me saying that I'm, I'm particular. I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than you and you need to be saved. I'm saying that the state we are in today is bad. Mm. And rather than, saying we need better hr departments we need to say dude we are just under or we even need a better ideology we are under the judgment of god it's not time to get it's not even time for me to be on my high horse towards christianity today it's time for me to say god we really need you i need to repent of my sins because things are that bad things are at this point at this like right we don't we can't have a christian journalist write about the failures of obvious people disqualified from ministry without going, yeah, and by the way, uh, we had a sexual predator on staff for about 10 years and we don't, you know, like we're, that's how bad things are. And we're under God's judgment. We are under his displeasure. And it is time for all of us to acknowledge that and begin to seek him, seek him. Thank you so much for listening to the Restless Podcast. We are thankful for you. We have fun making it. If this episode was a little too intense for you, don't worry. Next week starts Winsome Winter. We know you need it. Please rate and review this podcast. Thank you to the people who have joined the patron in the last few days. We will catch you soon.